Now, when some people hear commercial, they think, you know, office building, they shopping think center. shopping center, they think strip mall. Um, my definition of commercial is the kind of loan that you can get. So it's multifamily commercial is what specifically I'm talking about, where a four unit can be both. It swings both ways. It's Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcasts that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong, and I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. Should we talk about asset classes? We're going to talk, talk about asset classes. How about that? Asset classes. Asset I like it. Asset I like it. Who doesn't like assets, right? So welcome back. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about asset classes, the pros and the cons, and uh, what's good, what's bad, what's terrible, what you should look for, and uh, what you need to know about different things. Now, we'll start with the obvious single-family properties. This is what most start with. Uh, go straight into single families, investing in single families, and why it's good, and maybe why it's bad. So let's get into those things. Now, I first started teaching only single families because that's all I did mostly. And uh, it's actually fairly easy to get into, right? Anyone can get into yep. them. Yeah. It's easy to find. They're everywhere. Uh, there are a lot of people that have property that they want to sell. And it's very easy to, to get into. You don't need a whole lot of extra knowledge that commercial or multifamily or other asset classes might, might be daunting or some. It might be scary to go into those bigger, bigger properties, these properties that make a million dollars a year. Ah, uh, sounds pretty scary with all these bells and whistles and moving parts. So let's start with the, the basics, um, single families. Well, single family, when I started, I started with single family only because I was exactly what you just said. I was, I was fearful to jump into a 10 unit, 20 unit, because if you haven't done this business and if you haven't done this and you're a virgin at it, uh, yeah, thinking about buying a 10 unit or or 20 unit or 50 unit, it's it's daunting. It's, it's like, you're, you're scared shit. Yeah. I don't go out of your comfort zone, I get it, but already even being a foreign national buying in in the US was already out of my comfort zone. Are you a foreign national? I'm a foreign national. Oh, I don't know. I'm Canadian. He's foreign, that's for I'm sure. Canadian, I'm foreign, yes. <laughs> not like the Mars. Like Are you an alien? I'm not an alien. At least I'm well, according to the US government, you're well, an alien. I'm an alien, yes. Yeah. I'm an Am I legal? Yeah, I think I am. Okay, maybe. maybe. But anyways, that's another topic. Well, you're not living here. So My name's not... Carlito. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so so going into a, a 20 or a 50 unit building was 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 scary. So I'm adding like yeah. toppings here. So yeah, I decided to do, my wife and I decided to do single family. And yes, there, there, there's, there's disadvantages to it. But you know what? It made me money in the end. It made me money, not so much on the cash flow, because you can only get so much on, 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 on an average single family home. You know, we, we gravitated to the three bedroom, uh, two baths, because we were trying to attract families. Mm -hmm. We didn't want couples, because couples, you know, they'll tend to leave. They're not grounded. They're not rooted. Uh, if, if families go in there and rent and they have kids, they'll typically stay a little bit longer and not displace them. So we did make money mostly on the equity, Marco. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, we, we made it on the equity. 
Yes, the cash flow was okay, but it's it's nothing to you're not going to retire on one single family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the equity mm-hmm. that we do have there, uh, yeah, you can you can loan against it like anything else. You yep. can get a line of credit like anything else. So for me, it, it worked out well. It was a good stepping stone mm-hmm. uh, to do the single family, and I, I still have some. We're liquidating as we we go, uh, mm-hmm. only because now yes, it's 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 quicker and easier to get into uh, a multifamily. And because I'm looking more for the residual. And it's quicker and easier now because you know what you're looking for. But yeah. for someone that's maybe just stumbling across real estate for the first time and they're like, I want to get into it, they know what a single family is because they see them every day, right? Or, or they see what an apartment building is or a hotel yeah. or whatever that is. <clears throat> the question really is, is, you know, how do, so if I have no money, right, and I want to start the real estate business or I have a little bit of money, you know, I maybe have maybe 20, 30 grand saved up. If you're stumbling across a real estate business, you want to, you know, maybe have a little bit of residual income or you want some equity or save up for some retirement stuff. It makes sense. You buy a prop, you know, a single family, maybe a duplex and you you rent it out. And, you know, eventually if you get a mortgage, it pays itself off over 25 years. And, you know, this got this paid off property and property does mm-hmm. generally go up in value. So it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. It does. And as long as you buy it right, as long as you're buying it at a, dis- at a discount. So I, I, you know, I, I did single family for years. Um, and if I get a single family, I'll, I'll still, if it's a good deal, I'll still buy it. Um, just understand that if you're getting into the single family business, your, your, the biggest challenge is one tenant with one mortgage. That's the biggest um, uh, pitfall in that if you have a, a tenant that's not paying, and it's going to happen you're going to get a tenant that doesn't pay. And make sure that you're buying a single family in an area where it's easy to get rid of someone. Because where we're from, in, well, in Canada, yeah. specifically <laughs> Quebec, I don't know what it's like in Ontario, but in Quebec, uh, you, have a, you have a governing body called la Régie du Logement, which is a, uh, yes. which is a uh, basically the, a government agency that reg- you have to use their leases. You can't use a separate lease. That's the lease that you have to use. Mm-hmm. And getting rid of a tenant, is, it's easier to get rid of herpes than it is to get rid of a tenant. I'll, I'll yeah. say it that way. It's at least a 31 to 60 day process. That's um, if you're lucky. I, I think yeah. it's, yeah, yeah but if, if they're pregnant. Well, hold on a sec, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, in, Toronto, in Toronto, we have we call it the kangaroo court because it's it's the, it's called a tenant and landlord tribunal. Mm-hmm. It's a tribunal. Mm-hmm. And now, just we're in January, uh, there's no way you, you can, can evict someone even if they don't pay. And cold. these people know this shit. Because it's cold. They know because yeah. it's cold. You cannot evict during the winter months. And it's Canada. Mm-hmm. Like winter months is six months. It's, it's half well, a year. There's, it's, there's two seasons in Canada. Right? It's two seasons. Yeah, it's, it's, it's winter and July. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's winter and July. But kind of feels that way. Yeah. But you're right. If, if someone's disabled or or, or pregnant, uh, pregnant, pregnant, on welfare, bankrupt, on welfare with bankrupt, bankrupt, it, it, they have so much protection, which is is it's it's terrible for 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 a landlord, anyways. But for a tenant, you can get away with. That's uh, right. Yeah. You can, get away, you can get away with months of not paying. There's professional tenants out there. Put it this way. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. a skill. Yeah. And the tenants will always know the laws better than you do. So remember that. Um, you know, so understand that if you're going to buy a property and rent it out, uh, under, make sure you screen your tenants or have a property management company that screens your tenants really well. Or you can go through the lease option route, which is what um, I highly recommended yeah. you, Frank, when you first started, uh, where you're actually... Now, there's a pro and a con to... A lease option. So first, there's the buying of the property, where mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be understood that we're going to. You really should buy properties under wholesale, never retail. You shouldn't go to a real estate agent. Uh, if you haven't watched or heard 
um, any of the content that we have on buying properties below wholesale because you should be buying where Costco shops. <laughs> I got Costco. You in. got Costco, Costco in. Yes, and in this episode. So, because I have an obsession uh, with with Costco. If if you didn't, know. it's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. Yeah. I, I actually have a picture of Costco in my bed. Um, and I kiss it. it it's in his wallet. It's, yes. Actually, it's like I, I called my fifth child Costco. <laughs> yeah. So so, uh, so so anyway so yeah so it's it's important to uh, to buy properties under wholesale to buy the property right uh, so you have equity in the property the day you buy it so if there is uh, something that happens you can exit quickly the multiple exit strategies very important to know your exits before before you get in. We can have a whole episode just on that, mm-hmm. uh, boys and girls. And <clears throat> and uh, you can rent it, and eventually the tenant is paying off the mortgage. It's still going up in value. You're still getting some cash flow uh, if you bought it right. And uh, even if you almost break even, the property is paying itself off over time. So it, it, it kind of makes sense. But now buying it right is another potential issue in the single-family uh, world, right? Because if there's already a tenant in there and you're valuing the property based on the cash flow it spits out rather than based on the comparable value of a, of a home uh, you can make you can make a mistake and I mean I remember when we bought our first homes so it's something that uh, it didn't happen to us but we in, so we basically bought five houses you hear that five houses for ninety thousand uh, dollars but it was spitting net 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 at the end of each month two thousand dollars which is amazing but when it came time that I wanted to get out of this, this single family to get into the commercial, I wanted to sell these homes. I wasn't able to sell them for more than $90,000, which is kind of weird. There's no appreciation or anything because the values of these homes, I, I basically paid retail for the houses. I was basically buying the cash flow. And that was where I learned that I can, I can make a really big mistake if I don't do my homework properly. So it's it's you have to be careful. Uh, on that note, so there is... There is different states that where you get into single family, there's no appreciation. Actually, appreciation is probably minus like 0.05, which is fine. People get into the single family in in those particular states. And um, so they'll make, they just get in for the cash flow. So you got it for the cash flow. Correct. But you have to know that going in saying, okay, I'm just in for the cash flow because it's spitting up 2,000 net. Mm -hmm. But when I sell it, I'm okay with breaking even. And you got to be okay with that. You got to know that ahead of time. Right. And then there's certain markets where they have a modest increase. Like in Florida, I, I think their, their, their increase has been 7% yeah. uh, the last couple of years. Uh, well, in, Florida in was a hotter state. I was in Indiana at the time. So <clears throat> yeah. I guess so it wasn't as hot. Indiana may be 3% or 4%, but that's homework you got to do up front so you know. So number one, yes, you look at your cash flow. Make sure your, your, your expenses are paid off and your debt service you, you can cover. And, and you do have a little bit left over in your pocket. But at the end... If you know appreciation historically has been only 3% or 2%, don't expect in five years to yeah. sell it for a huge profit. You're buying it for equity. Some states you're allowed to buy for, you could buy for equity and for cash flow. And, and Florida worked out for me yeah. and Linda. Um, so you, you got to know that going in, right? So, so how do they find out what the appreciation, um, if someone's listening to this for the first time, how would I go it and find out what the appreciation? I is? went on uh, uh, what's the website? Uh, city City Feet? No, not City Feet. I went on. Um, there's a website where it has all the stats on Google. On, uh, no, no, I Google, but there's a particular <laughs> web. Yeah, yeah, you go to the Google, and Google this shit. Uh, how, do you, how do you spell that? Yeah, it's you know G Google. Yeah, <laughs> Google. Hey Google. 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 Yeah, you can ask any of the girls. You can ask Siri. You can ask uh, Alexa. You mm. can ask Google. 
you realize all the AIs are yeah. girls here. Is Linda know about this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think it's called, I think it's called City Data. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't yeah. been on the site in a while. But it has all the stats on historically what the appreciation value is. Even population count is going down. You, you, you can just call city. also you know, a couple of brokers yeah. and then just have them do the work for you. That's what we like to do is yeah. just basically have everyone else do the work for us. So what you were saying before, Marco, we're not discouraging people to do in single family because there's there's ways to mitigate your risk on single family. Yes, there is that one tenant, but there's ways. Our way was to secure was what we did a lease option. Lease option, and we attracted families so they don't move frequently. It's not mm -hmm. a couple. Or they stay there for a long time. They stay yeah. there for longer. Uh, we usually buy next to a, a an A-rated school, um, a nice neighborhood that someone wants to live in. Right. Stop teasing them because I don't think we're going to discuss lease option strategy today. No, 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 no. But that's just that's just. But hold on. That's just one strategy to mitigate your risk for single family because there is a risk. There's one tenant. When that tenant leaves, you're 100% vacant. Yes, right. That's the well, problem. Well, well, with a lease option, though, just so everyone understands what the hell a lease option is, is when you lease the property with the option to buy to the tenant. So they have a lease agreement, basically like they're paying rent. And usually there's a small premium because they're tenants in training. I mean, landlords in training. Mm -hmm. And then they have the right to buy it for a set price. And that set price is determined uh, when they first get into the property. And they usually have a large down payment, $5,000, $10,000, uh, I've gotten $150,000 in down payments uh, from a lease option tenant. And that deposit is tax uh, deferred until they actually close. So it's a deposit. So it, you don't actually pay taxes on that money until they either buy the property or they forfeit their deposit by stop, stopping to pay the rent. So the, 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 the great thing about a lease option is you actually get a premium on, on rent. The bad thing about a lease option is that you're going, it's going to end, which means that the property is not going to pay itself off over 25 years. Uh, there's going, they're most likely going to buy it at one point, mm -hmm. um, which means you're going to lose, you're going to make money on the sale, but that means you have to go find another property in order to replace that cash flow. Like a deferred wholesale. It, it is, well, it's, it's retail, really. Right, but right. in the sense that you're selling the contract, here you're actually buying it and then you're reselling it, but you know that there's a, you know, a, a finite period of time for which you're going to keep it. Correct. There's, there's a, there's so, a, it's, a, it's a ticker yeah. that it's going to go off. Now, not everyone buys them. You had a I had one, I went three times, so I had a deposit of $8,000 three times because uh, they defaulted on the lease. So remember, these are two, we did two separate agreements. We did the lease agreement and we did the option to buy agreement. Yeah. And we had some language in the option to buy saying if you default on the lease, mm -hmm. you forfeit the option. Yep. Uh, and it is at a future value. I use the appreciation for that particular city. 4% per year, whatever. 4%, 3%. And yeah, they defaulted, had to evict them. But it's okay, even if it was sitting vacant for the two months, because mm -hmm. I had $8,000 of their money up front. So I put someone else in, got another $8,000. The same thing happened after two years. Um, they just they just couldn't. They didn't default on their lease. They just said I couldn't buy. They they moved on and they licked their wounds and they said, okay, I know I lost eight thousand. Yeah. And then I did it once more time. So I did it three times and I even refiled on that property. Mm -hmm. So I already pulled out the equity. So I refiled the property. I already pulled out the equity. That's so that's why I use that as a stepping mm -hmm. stone. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a good stepping stone for many um, because you pull out the equity on that property if you buy it right. That's if right. If you buy it at retail. Uh, there's going to be no equity. You're going to be waiting 20 years to pull out the equity. And you um, can do the same thing with basically all residential classes, whether it's a duplex or triplex. Yeah, with the lease be, option, yeah. yes, it works with yes. Yeah. But you, you, you can't sell each individual unit. No. You have to do the whole thing. Right? Yeah. The whole so package. you have a tenant owner. Yeah. 
the, 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 well, obviously the, the more the more doors there are in a building, the better it is, at least in my opinion. Because yeah. I'd rather have four people paying the mortgage or five people pay, paying the mortgage or even 100 people paying the mortgage um, than one person. Um, and the beauty of um, multifamily is... You, Economies of scale, basically. Exactly. You, you, it, it just, you, you make more cash flow. You can still buy the property at a discounted rate if you know how to negotiate well. Um, you can still get properties off market. In fact, that's all we do. Mm -hmm. And you have the luxury of being able to uh, force the value of the property uh, higher. Um, you don't have to wait for 3 4% per year. You can actually force appreciation by increasing the revenue. That's anything over five units. So a single family, a two unit, a three unit, and a four unit, uh, that is residential, 100% um, residential property. Now, a four unit is actually the, 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 the buy of both uh, residential and uh, I'll say commercial multifamily. Now, when some people hear commercial, they think, you know, office building, they shopping think center. shopping center, they think strip mall. Um, my definition of commercial is the kind of loan that you can get. So it's multifamily commercial is what specifically I'm talking about, where a four unit can be both. It swings both ways. It's like, hi, I'm a, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, hi, I'm a commercial. You know, they, they're sort of, they're playing in both fields because I can get a commercial loan on a four unit or I can get a residential loan on, on a four unit. So. And who makes that determination? Is it, is, it the, is it the financial institution at that time that says, you know what, I'm going to classify this as, it's a four unit, we think it's a residential, so we're going to be based on comps. It's subjective, which is interesting. It's actually pretty subjective, and it's also, it could be zoning as well. Um, I was working with a student of, of mine that, it's a three unit, but it's a hair salon, there's a, a barber, and then upstairs there's a, a apartment. So that's a triplex, right? No, it's it's a commercial property because commercial. there's a there's a business there. So I can't get a residential loan on a on a property that's zoned commercial. It's a commercial zoning. It's 100% commercial. So this is 100% commercial property, even though it's a three unit. Even though there's an apartment upstairs, it's still considered uh, commercial. a commercial. I can only get a commercial loan on that. So I have to look at the numbers based on income versus comparables, which is really the biggest difference the differentiator of how you determine the value of a commercial property versus a residential property. A residential property, we're going to look at comparables, we're going to look at comps. And comps is, it's almost like a, I can ask nine people what yeah. something is it's worth. Like throwing a dart. Well, it's not throwing a dart, it's subjective. It's what someone's willing to pay for it. That's what a, that's what a comparable is. So they look, you know, people have different formulas. They look at, you know, you sold your home down the street and I sold mine. And then they look at the square footage or whatever, and then they compare it to his. But his square footage may be comparable to ours, but he may have granite. We yeah. may have like a, a piece of plywood for our kitchen cabinet. It's not 100%. It's, it's not. It's, it's not. Yeah. And then there's the tax value. Some people use that, which is also. Price per square foot. Yeah. Well, the tax value is always going to be lower than price the, per, the actual price. So mm -hmm. I, I tend not to look at that because. I, I know you do, but not everyone does. Yeah, I don't even know how they calculate mm -hmm. that the tax, but. You can do a CMA, which is a current comparative market, market analysis. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm so out of it, I don't even know what a CMA yeah. is anymore. <laughs> I have no Chartered management accountant. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can get a, a CMA, which is a comparative market analysis, and um, get three different opinions on what the value of the property is. Um, yeah. And it's really subjective. But at the end of the day, it's what someone's willing to pay for it that, that matters. Now, um, so if I have a property and it's got, you know, it's on the water, or it's not on the water, it's by the train tracks, not on train tracks, it's in the right school district, wrong school district, 
you have all these different, you know, inverse hyperbolic cotangent of the square root of pi. Like it can get pretty complicated, so um, we don't really know what it's worth really until we put it on the market and we see what the market will bear. And that's just the way it is, right? It's you know just the it's a, the way it's a, the house is even angled on where the sun comes up. Do I get sun in the front in the morning or in the yeah, afternoon? It's a feng shui. Is, 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 well, is, is it, yeah, feng shui or uh, yeah, but the, the sun is a big thing. If do I have a if I have a green box, you yeah. know, with the electrical thing on my property, it, all of a sudden it's less because yeah. I got a damn green box, your utility box on there. I agree. All right, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, if 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 you're buying these properties, whether it's single families or duplex or trial, I mean, you're you're in it for the income as well, right? That so that's it's important that it cash flows the right way. Yes and no. Yes. Like in Australia, for example, uh, there's something called negative gearing, yes. where they buy the property, it has a negative cash flow, it loses three, four, five hundred dollars every single month because of how it's structured. The rents are don't the rents are not high enough to pay for the mortgages and the expenses and the taxes and everything else. And the government, uh, Australian government, wanted to have an incentive program, so they said, okay, we'll call it negative gearing, mm -hmm. and we'll give you a so whatever money you lose, you can write that off on your taxes. Yeah. So you pay less tax. Well, that sounds great, except it's not sustainable because if you have a hundred of those at one point, you, you can't pay for, you can't pay for it anymore. Yeah. So it's not a sustainable business model. So if you're just wanting to buy one or two, uh, and again, the, have the thing paid off over 25 years, then it makes sense. But you're also, it's impossible for you to actually live off real estate now or in the, in the near future. Nope. By doing that, but so it's better than putting your money into an I, an IRA or an sure, RSP sure. or you know you know or some sort of retirement account because you know if you bought three houses and waited twenty five years and they were they got paid off maybe you didn't make an income but sure shit you're gonna have more money in equity than you would if you had an RSP sure, yeah. but I would never recommend anybody buying homes in Australia when they can buy them in the U S and have potential appreciation and cash flow now I agree I'm just yeah we're, we're just making the argument correct that what's better to put money into a retirement account that makes very little or buy it and put it into real estate that because the retirement account doesn't make cash flow either right but even if yeah but even the IR in the IRA or the retirement account you have to empty that by the time you're you're dead that's the idea whereas even if even if they gave the same exact returns at the end of the day you have an asset that's left over with real estate that that can you know tag along to your children or whoever you want you know I your agree. mistress your, but the, your dog Wow, I believe most people that participate in that program are doing it for a specific reason, which is tax. Uh, they do it because they don't know any better. Well, it, it, uh, well, I beg to differ. I, I think some people don't know because they're just following the flock. Yeah. But I think I think it was originated by people that do know what they're doing, and they want that loss to offset some very big gains. And then once they get rid of the gains, it's a tax strategy. How much is taxes? I don't know how much it is in Australia, but all of it in, in Canada, it's it's, it's forty nine percent. It. It's all of it. It's forty nine percent. So if I can save twenty percent of that by showing a loss or a paper loss, it's called a paper loss. Yeah. So shit in there that it's not really a a, a physical monetary loss. It's a paper loss because you have certain non refundable tax credits. So Where's people that, do that. Where'd that paper go? The paper? I lost my paper. You lost the paper, so oh, that's a paper sorry. loss. You're losing everyone. A uh, paper loss is what's on your <laughs> on your spreadsheet, man. Aren't you a CPA by trade? I am, but you're losing you're everyone. I'm not losing everybody. Nobody's here. The, ca the, the camera's, camera's leaving. Of course. The camera's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> the camera's falling asleep. <laughs> I'm just saying this. There's a reason for it. Yes, some people will go into things just because you went into it. And they're like, well, if Gabe's doing it, I'm going to fucking do it. I think. I, you want to know what I think? I think that this, that anything that's retirement-based and that there's a tax credit for was instilled by the government in order to help people who 
wouldn't save otherwise so that they would have something in their retirement so that the government doesn't have to support okay, that. Okay, you know what? We got no problem with this because we're not retired. We established that in a previous we are, episode. No, we're not retired. Retirement, look up the word retirement in the dictionary. You're not going to retire. Forget about the retirement funds. Next. <laughs> that was exciting. It was fun. That was exciting. This is the first of many scraps on this show. Yeah. You so, should see us at Costco. So that's single family. Okay, anything under four. Then, okay, so... That's not anything on the, under four. Any under four is residential, yes. and uh, four and up four. is uh, commercial. commercial. Um, five is 100% commercial, and four is is uh, basically one or the other. Swings both ways. Exactly. And then you have... Uh, also, and what else can we discuss? Uh, there's mobile home parks, which is another asset class. And now, there's mobile homes, which is a single mobile home, which is basically a car. It has yeah. a VIN number. Now, there, a mobile home by itself is... Pretty much a depreciating asset is going down in value. But if you have a whole bunch of those on a lot and you're collecting rent, if there's more than, I'd say, three, four, five of them, then you have a small mobile home park. As long as they're on the same lot and not separate lots. Yes, right? if it's separate lots, then it's a totally different animal. And they're single family. They're, you're basically just buying land with a piece of crap on it. That's right. Right. So, so that's so, just how we know. So, no, no. Well, there's more. Okay, well, yeah. there's different. So, there's a mobile home park where you have depreciating asset because it's a personal property. It's like your car. Your car goes down. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it goes down and, 20%. And just, but it's important to note so, that because it's a depreciating asset also, the lending on it is... You can't get a loan. You can't get a mortgage. You can't get a mortgage on a mobile home. No. Just a mobile home. You get a mortgage on land, but you can't get a mortgage on a mobile home. Correct. So with the mobile home park, and there's different ones where some of them have where, where you can buy a park where... The tenants bring their own mobile home. They have it on these big flatbeds, and they bring it over, and they plop it on blocks. And so basically, you're costing the grass. You're maintaining, right? you're, you're yeah. renting, renting the, the lot. You're renting, yeah, the, you're renting with, the, the lot. With, with yes, connections. With, with connections for sewer and water. And, of course, you yeah, got to have power. the utilities and the yeah. power and the infrastructure for that. Yeah. Um, and then there's one where there's others where we have one that it's a mix of both. Yeah. You, you got mobile homes that are owned by the park, so we bought them. Uh, the depreciated assets and the land, and we got some on that land that we just rent out the lot, but it's their own mobile home. And there's pros and cons to both, right? I mean, that if you if you're if you're buying just the land and tenants are bringing their own mobile homes, you're essentially your your maintenance costs are at a minimum because the tenants actually own their homes, right? So you don't you don't have to fix anything in there. Uh, all you got to do, your only responsibility, and if you write the lease correctly, you can actually defer that responsibility to the tenants, but you just have to cut the grass and pay whatever common utilities there are. There is. But now, on the, in a park-owned home, where you own the homes as well, the depreciating asset, if you keep it that way, now, obviously, you can eventually start selling these uh, these homes to the tenants if, if you're in an area where the tenants can actually afford to buy them. But in the case you keep them, then you're technically responsible for all the maintenance. And I mean, that can become a problem in, in certain areas because of the, the, the type of tenant class you're going to get. They're not going to treat these homes the way you would treat your home if you lived in there. And we've had some horror stories, which well, is you yeah, know, how we, we learn in this business. <laughs> and maybe we'll have another episode. We, we can on have a whole show, episode, episode on horror on, stories. On, uh, well, we can have a, a season on horror stories. Well, it's not horror stories. I think it's important to know the good and the bad and, and, and the, the ugly. ugly. And there is yeah. some ugly. It's just how you handle it. And, and if we can share some of our experience on another episode, people will learn from that and get it out of your comfort zone saying, okay, well, it's not only yeah. happening. It's not only happening to me. It's not only happening to to Gabe or Marco. It it happens. It just happens. It's just it's the that type of asset class attracts a certain type of 
demographics. Well, there's, but there's, there's three there's three types of mobile homes. Sure, right. there's the you know the you got a pretty smile with all them teeth kind of mobile homes. You know <laughs> where people are depressed economically and honestly, uh, for four hundred bucks a month, you can live in a fairly large space with grass and a parking space. Like yeah. you know, it's it's a very living. very affordable living. So right. it makes sense because as the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. And 400 bucks a month is extremely affordable. So there's always going to be a huge demand for affordable housing. So I'm a big proponent of that. We own thousands of units yeah. uh, across the country, love mobile homes in general. So there's the really e depressed economic mobile homes. There's the actually a nice community of mobile homes mm -hmm. where it looks like housing. It looks, they, you know, there's extremely well manicured and it's a higher end and then there's the 55 plus communities the retirement that are retirement homes. home communities where you have you know shuffleboarding and you have these community <coughs> centers and, yeah. and they're and they're, they're they're people that would never want to live anywhere else <laughs> i actually was looking at a mobile home park that was in fort lauderdale yeah. it was right on the water it was Gorgeous. like right on the ocean and it was amazing like they wanted way too much for it it, it didn't mm. the numbers didn't pencil for me but holy shit, it was a beautiful space. There was pools and it jetted right onto the ocean. It was it was got majestic. Roads probably got LED yes. lights. Yeah. Yes. Got it looks like yeah. It was like you told me. Like I mean, a lot of Quebecers actually snowbird. We call them snowbirds. Yes. They spend like six months a year in Florida, and, and that's they where go, they want to live. live there. Yeah, and, they and rent them. They, they you know it's uh they, they spend fifteen hundred bucks a month and they live there. Yeah, and for you know and it's. It's really beautiful, um, and, and for have all most, these amenities. For the most part, they're all lot rents only, where you actually have to own your home to be there. Yes, and Correct. you can't and you can't re rent it out to someone else, and that's how they kind of control their yeah their the, population. The riffraff. Yeah. Right. So you know, there's some very and, and mobile homes. If you buy them right, are extremely profitable, and that's a whole other ballgame. Uh, <laughs> again, it's 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 the key to to making money in any in, in this specific business is always buy it right. So. Don't take this podcast and go, or this episode, or YouTube video, however you're watching this. Don't assume, well, if I buy a mobile home, I'm going to make, sh make a shit ton of money. You have to know what you're doing, and you have to buy it right, and you have to know that the mob the you know, is it park-owned homes? Is it is it tenant-owned homes? Um, are there are they, are they leased back to the tenants? Uh, who pays the utilities? Uh, what kind of water systems are they? Um, there's there's so much that you have to know and how how things are handled. Because you can really take a bath on a mobile home if yeah. you don't do this right, and, uh, and you have to have your own, you know, your park rules, and you have to make sure that they're enforceable. There's a bunch of controls you Whole can put in place. Stuff, yeah. So get a, get educated on that. I, yeah. um, I I help people buy mobile homes all the time. Actually, both of you. Um, yeah, yeah. We own we own a mobile home park together, and we own a home, mobile home park together. Correct. So um, we have two mobile home parks. I own one together. Each. Yes, yeah. together. So, but you guys don't own one together, do you? No, no. no. So yeah, so there's mobile homes, and then there's obviously multifamily, which is actually you know, hold on. Can we just do there's there's on a mobile home. There's also so there's mobile home parks, but there's also RV parks. Okay, let's so go to RV parks, yeah. which is similar, similar, yeah, but not. So an RV park, an RV is the recreational vehicle. So those are the it's ones like that you a, actually immobile drive up. <laughs> it, well, it's the, it's, it's yeah. the fifth wheel one where you can actually drive, drive. up and and park and. You know, uh, hook up your utilities and whatever. Yeah, hook them up, hook them up, hook yeah. them up. Or even the ones where they they call them fifth wheels, where basically they're hitched on like on, a on back yep. of a, a like pickup a truck and yeah. they, they park in a spot. So the RVs are also very similar in nature to mobile home parks that are tenant owned. Mm -hmm. So they drive there. So you got campers. It depends on if you're in, in a recreational or in a tourist area. You got people that are traveling. They just park there. They 
It's like the camping world or whatever you yeah, want, they yeah. call it. And you usually um, own just a lot there. there so you, you own the lot, you maintain the lot, you there's maintain the infrastructure. There's a power hookup. Hook yeah, there's there. a sewer hookup and everything. They may have, uh, so actually part of our park, Marco, we have uh, uh, both. It's a, it's a, it's a, you have an RV park. It's a hybrid of, of a mobile home park plus an RV park and in the front. Ground. And the camping ground. So what happens in the front, we have, that's where all the RVs go. And we have um, some of these RVs, they don't have washrooms in them. So we have a common uh, bathroom facility for, for women and men uh, with showers, full showers, sinks or whatever, toilets and all that. And we also have laundry facility, on, uh, like a complex on-premises mm -hmm. for laundry, uh, laundry facilities. So that accommodates a lot of the people uh, that are coming with the RVs because they just don't have those amenities in the RVs unless it's a big ass RV. So these are usually people that are just passing by, stopping for the night, and then keep going. Right? Well, the one in the one that we have, it's it's next to a big national park. It's 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 when it's hunting season or fishing season, sure. a lot of people you you get that traffic, or yes, overnight traffic. They're they're traveling from up north and they want to just relax for two days to get the you know get some rest and then move on and, and keep driving southwards or even northwards for that matter. But so the mobile home park, RV parks, similar in nature, yeah. but two different asset classes. I agree, yeah. and the the and how you manage that and uh, is is different as well. Yes, uh, how you evaluate it financially is going to be different as well. Each one of these asset classes has its own set of rules and its own valuation valuations process. and its its own uh, management styles and its own expenses that are unique to that. So make sure that you um, get educated uh, or find someone that can help you really dissect the numbers as not what the a person that's trying to sell you is telling you, but the reality of it, because what a seller is doing is selling. Remember that. And once you own it, you know, you're stuck with it. And yeah. having no property is actually a lot better than having properties that are leeches that just suck you dry. And uh, th those are terrible experiences. Yeah. So we've got... Uh, we went single, single family. families. We went into a little bit of the multi, a, a little the mix, to, a residential yes, mix. mix, residential mix. We've have mobile, home, mobile homes, RV parks, RV parks. So we can talk about multi the multifamily. Yeah. So those are the four plus or five, five plus, plus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. five plus. And these can go up to 100, 200, 500, 600. Yeah, there's it, there's it, it's just limitless as long as they're you know basically people living in there. Uh, it's called it's considered a multifamily. And that's where I think most of us gravitated. So yes, we, we started in single families. Mm -hmm. I did. I think you did. You, know, you did too, yeah. obviously, and, and you did too. So we started as a stepping stone, and then, yeah, depending what your end goal is. Um, again, you reach. You don't reach your end goal, but you, you're trying to get close to it, and then it keeps moving like the horizon, uh, like you mentioned before. But you, in order to get there quicker, yes, single family may take you a while uh, to generate that residual income that you want and need. Right. Uh, each month, so multifamily is the, is obviously the next the next logical step. You know, you can buy one unit of ten, so that's it's almost equivalent to ten. Right, single you have the same. Like if you got to change your roof, you still have ten people paying for it instead of let's say in a single family home, you have only one. Right. Well, and like you said, you like more than you know four doors, five doors. Spread the risk. Well, you spread you do spread the risk yeah. because what happens if two three people leave? You're you're at seventy percent occupancy mm -hmm. versus a hundred percent. I mean, uh, sorry, seventy uh, percent. Occupied. I mean, versus, math yeah. is not. Uh, yeah, math is not. Thing. You're the CPA, right. but it's okay. You I understood what I mean. So when people leave on multifamily, it, it may not break the bank. You're not. You're not probably bleeding money each month because That's you right. have other tenants there during that time. Picking up the load. Exactly. Yeah. So, 
It's it's but it's it's probably the most popular asset class across the nation amongst investors, right? And it, it's reflected also in the asking prices. And yeah, so the, the 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 returns are much lower yeah. on bigger units. Uh, it's much more aggressive marketplace. It's very hard to find fifteen percent returns in hundred unit pluses. Very very difficult because there's institutional buyers um, that are basically private equity funds that are buying these things with five six yeah. percent returns, and we're borrowing the money at five. For us to buy a property at a 5% return doesn't make any sense. There's no money in it um, unless you buy it extremely well and aggressively. Or it's a huge value add, meaning that it's a piece of shit uh, and you're going to have to spend a few million dollars to actually get it fixed up and then refinance it. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, uh, I see so many emails coming across mm -hmm. my desk of people that are buying this amazing deal that I would never go near because it's way too much risk. I would never want to buy a $7 million prop a property for $7 million that only makes 500,000 before rehab and then makes 700,000 after rehab, um, mm -hmm. um, after you put $4 million into it. I just don't, I-, I Doesn't make sense. I, well, to me, it doesn't make well, sense, but for them, because they're borrowing yeah. the money maybe at three, 4%. Or they're in uh, for appreciation. Or, or they're in for the appreciation, yeah. or they're in for, they're buying, they're, they have a, a pool of cash that they have access to and everyone's sharing in the profits and they're okay with fairly low returns. Mm -hmm. They're not, they, you know, they want something that's just, low and if i'm not making at least 10 plus i'm i'm out i'd rather yeah. make 10 plus than but that alone and it's also because we can in other asset classes or even you know still find them in the multifamily that are just harder to find them or to create just takes more work to yeah, create takes, them. that's yeah. right because uh, good deals are created they're not found just to be clear i have a love-hate relationship with the that, that's force appreciation right that's yeah. basically what you're doing you force appreciation by putting capital into a, a piece of shit or a less desirable property to make it very comparable to the other property so you can increase the rent and, and get it filled. Value, yeah. So I got a love hate with that, you know, based on my last experience over the yeah. last two years on, on a motel that I have in, in Florida, but it, it is a strategy and it, it can be very lucrative if you know what you're doing and you pack, you have to have patience, especially if you're doing a retrofit, shit happens. When, when, you, when, you, when you take down walls, uh, people find things and, and, and you gotta be prepared for that. So it is a strategy for, for some that, if they do have patience and they do have some money, like, you know what, That's I'm okay with not making money for the next six months or eight months or, or even a year, <laughs> or in my case, two years. Yeah. I wasn't okay with that, actually, but uh, that yeah. just it overflowed. Yeah. It happened, but I wasn't anticipating that. So, again, I learned from that. I learned mm. from my mistake. I know what if I were ever to do it again, would you? Would I, I would definitely do it again. Not now. I would do it again. Right now, I'm focused on other asset sure. classes, but I would definitely do it again because I think as multifamily gets... Like you said, there's big institutional that's hedge funds that are buying these properties. That's and they're not buying those type of properties. They're buying turnkey. Here's a multifamily. There's tenants in there, and, and away they go. Mm -hmm. So that may be a, a change in the in in the economy where we have to start looking at maybe single family again or looking at multifamilies that. Yeah, they're not pretty. They're going to need some love. Well, that's the beauty of when you are when you understand the asset classes, yeah. then you can kind of divert based on the economic cycle, based on anything that happens. If it's a political issue, if it's an economical issue, if it's a you know social issue, you can go into any asset class. I think for yeah. the most part as a group, we own pretty much every asset yeah. class. Well, yeah. we haven't even talked about you know, yeah. storage unit facilities. We haven't yeah. talked about hotels, motels. Assisted uh, living facilities. ALFs. There's so many different kinds of real estate that you can get into that each one has its its pro, its con, its it's good, it's bad, uh, it's ugly. No business is perfect. You know, single families, there's tons of them, but you know, it's one tenant, one mortgage. Uh, multifamily, 
a new set of problems. Mobile home. New mobile set of problems. Uh, hotels, motels. New set of problems. Then you got flag hotels, which are, yeah, the yeah. flags are like the, your, your, your days and, and the, the economy lodges and things like that. But you got to look at also like ALFs and, and hotels and motels are, are not just real estate. You have to look at them, at their real estate with, with a, business. a business. And yeah. it's, if you don't do this right, it's, it, that can hurt. Because even if you understand the real estate side, if you don't understand the way the business operates, even if you're not going to be operating it, because we don't operate, but if you don't understand the operations, you can get hurt. You take a bath. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's a it's a big bath. But it's just the living uh, facilities, and I, I don't have any of those, but uh, yeah, they, they do spit up money, but you need to know the players in there, yeah. uh, the medical, well, and, there's and, government regulations, and even rooming houses. Right. Rooming houses is, some of them are single family homes. But, but you've, hit, you've hit something important here. In, Anything you, in any, I guess, any area you play in, whether it's single family, you have to know the rules of, of, of either the county, the city, uh, and state. The, the state, or in the case of assisted living facilities, there's other, there's other rules to follow. Same thing with hotels. Uh, if, if it's a flag hotel, so it's a franchise, then there's the franchise rules you have to respect. You got to understand all the rules before you get into anything, because if you don't know the rules... You picture yourself playing a board game but never reading the rules. Are you able to get around the board? I mean, some even <laughs> it's it's impossible. It's the same thing in in, yeah, my, in, in our my, world. My ten year old does that. No, yeah. doesn't read the rules. And then he tells you what the rules yeah, are. Yeah, we're playing payday. Yeah. He hands me all this kind of cash. I go, I don't think it works this way, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. As long as but, you're winning. In real life, <laughs> yeah, in real life, that's that's not gonna fly. No, because you can't fold it and put it away. Yeah, right? so you're absolutely yeah. right. Even with the motels, if you decide to do a nightly versus an extended state, yeah. two different ca- county we, rules. We could we could have yeah. 100 hours of discussions on these things. So this episode is really a brushstroke of what's possible. Mm-hmm. We're going to have episodes, I think, on every single one of these things. Yeah, I think so. And not only entertaining, but very informative for you to tune in and listen in. Uh, I think we'll stop there for today. So single family, multifamily, uh, mobile home park, RVs. and RV park. And you know we haven't even gone into strip malls and commercial mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So there's so much to learn. ALFs. Um, vacant the, the units, sh- also vacant land. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know, I I got into a you know a marijuana growing facility that was 400 acres. You know, there's there's so many things that you can get into that are not only real estate but associated with real estate. In fact, you're already in the real estate business. I don't know if you knew that or not, because if you live somewhere, you're in the real estate business. You're either paying rent or you're getting rent. Um, it's it's one or the other. Which side do you want to be on? Do you mm-hmm. want to be on the receiving side or the paying side? I don't pay rent. I receive rent. My even, tenants even, pay for my property. My I don't even in your own house. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's that's the genius yeah. of it. Yeah. You're, you're a tenant other, and an owner. You listen. You're getting other people. In the end, what you're doing is you're getting other people to get up in the morning, you know, fight the traffic, go to work, so they can pay. For your lifestyle, for your lifestyle, for my lifestyle. Yep. And that's the whole purpose. That's the point. That's why you're doing it. And and there's so many different asset classes that you can get into to make that happen. And that's the whole point of this uh, this session today. So, guys, thanks so much for being, uh, being here. Hope you learned a lot. And we'll see you on the next one. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in.
We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.